Okay, this morning we're in a series through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're at the beginning of chapter 7, and uh, chapter 7 begins with some words that get twisted, judge not. And, and so people, oh man, you should not judge. Uh, but there's a big difference between discernment and condemnation. You are supposed to have discernment, to understand what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's better, what's best, but you're not supposed to condemn people. And so this morning, we're going to look at some principles that we learn from God's Word based in this passage, but also we're going to look at a lot of Scripture. So to make it easier for you, some of that Scripture we'll have up on the screen, and we'll have people step up to these microphones and read that. So uh, when we get to that part in the message, there's a number at the top of your form, those of you who have those verses. And when we get to that part in the message, uh, just move down front. You can all squeeze in the row. Just be down and ready to read. Just step up to the mic and read that for us. That would be a blessing. And then we're going to ask you to turn to some scriptures that are very important for us to understand. We need to understand what it means now. We need to understand what it means in eternity. And so we're going to look at it and see it in the very Word of God. Uh, what, you know, thus saith the pastor doesn't mean a whole lot. But thus saith the Lord means a lot. And so we want to look at the actual Word of God and see and learn. Father, as we look to your Word today, we pray for two things. We pray for attentiveness and we pray for your Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and lives. I pray that we would listen with our heart. I pray that we would learn. I pray that your Spirit would impress upon our spirit these truths from your Word. And Father, let us realize that our culture has some things wrong, but they have some things right. And we need to learn so that we can take what's right and build upon it, and we can reject what's wrong even when what's wrong is in our own heart and life. So we pray that you would guide our paths, direct our steps, help us to learn from your spirit and from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 7 begins, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? I love that. Oh, the funny imagery, this tiny little speck, itty bitty little splinter, and there's a log sticking out of your eye. Uh, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your own eye, out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. There is a big difference between discernment and condemnation. Our culture says you should not judge. Uh, I, I was reading somebody this week, and here's what he said. We can never judge the lives of others because each person knows only their own pain and renunciation. 
You could never be critical of anyone ever. The world, our culture, our society says, you have no right to disapprove. If you don't approve of something, even if it's bad, even if it's evil, uh, our culture doesn't want you to ever say anything bad about anybody. You must be tolerant toward everyone, except, of course, toward Christians. Then you can say all kinds of mean things toward Christians because they're fair game. That's not what God's word says. Now, how do we as believers respond to culture in the light of God's word without becoming grumpy, fussy, cynical, critical people? I don't know. I'm still working with that grumpy part. No. How, how do we do it? We look to God's word and see what it says. So uh, number one, you must remember that you are a sinner just like them. See, the world says don't judge. They say don't have discernment about anything. But you and I need to have discernment. But we also need to remember we are sinners just like everybody else. Here's one of the passages we're going to turn to, Romans chapter 3. Now, maybe you have never committed murder. Maybe you have never committed adultery. Maybe you have never committed grand theft auto, or maybe you have never stolen big things or even little things. Maybe bad words have never come out of your mouth, but you have sinned. I know you have sinned, and I know you still struggle with sin. And I will be able to tell, as your pastor, I can tell when you have stopped struggling with sin because you will stop breathing. As long as we're in this body, we're going to struggle with it a little bit. So um, we need to remember that we are sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. You only get the full righteousness of God, not by your own acts of dedication, but by believing on Christ and receiving it as a gift from God. The end of verse 22, for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you watch the news, you see maybe some guys being arrested for some crime that you have never committed. And you can think, oh, how could he do that? Well, remember, there's no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that word all in the Greek means all. It doesn't mean most, it means all. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if we were doing a height thing and we were all standing up here, we were going to see who's the closest to the ceiling. Well, it's probably Benjamin. Uh, but who's the closest to the ceiling? Doesn't matter. We all fall short. We've all sinned. 
God doesn't judge you based on if your good works outweigh your bad or your bad works outweigh your good. He judges you on his righteousness, and his righteousness can only be met in Jesus Christ. When we ask him to forgive our sins and be our Savior, God miraculously gives us the gift of the righteousness of Christ. But when we're dealing with people, when we're dealing with people in our culture, you maybe have not done some of the same sins, hopefully not some of the things that they have done, but you are a sinner. Okay, you, you've been wanting me to do this, okay? Turn to the person sitting near you and say, you are a sinner. Just, just let them know. No. I saw some kids delight to say that to their grandparents. <laughs> you, you, we, we struggle. So listen, when somebody's caught up in a sin, how should we respond? Being grateful that we aren't caught up with them and praying for them. Not condemning them. Now, I'm not saying if you're a police officer, you see somebody commit a crime, you just let it go. No, we, we need the laws and we need the laws to be upheld. But in your heart, don't condemn people. You're a sinner. You struggle. Number two, you will face your own judgment for your own sin. Now, if you're still in Romans 3, if you can, mark your spot there, because we'll jump right back to the book of Romans. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. You will face the judgment for your own sin. Revelation 20 is for unbelievers. For unbelievers. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades were held, delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works." Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So for unbelievers, this is the judgment. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ, this is the judgment you are facing right now. In fact, John 3 says, you're already condemned because you have not believed and trusted Jesus Christ. You need to do that. If you have not done that, please do that before you leave here today. But if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, then you will not face this judgment. This judgment is for those who have not believed and trusted in Christ. And they have rejected what they knew of God. The revelation, Romans 1, talks about the revelation of conscience, the revelation of creation. And they chose not to believe in God and reject it. And so those people will face this judgment. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Just, just the imagery, just the words, lake of fire, sound horrific. 
I don't know if any of you have been anywhere around a boat uh, when it blew up, but, but when a boat blows up and then the gas gets on the water and then all around on the water you see flames burning and it looks like the water itself is on fire. That is nothing compared to the lake of fire because the lake of fire is not just fire burning on top, it's fire all through. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I've been doing a lot of reading on World War II this year. I'm not sure why. Uh, just started doing it and haven't stopped yet. And I read a new book this uh, last week, and it was uh, The Maritime uh, Merchant Marines, and I'd never seen World War II from their perspective. And so that was pretty cool to see how it worked and sadly how many lost their lives and how many were mistreated. But, but it was neat to be able to learn a new perspective. But every one of us is a sinner. I, I can't imagine the judgment that Adolf Hitler will face in eternity or that Joseph Stalin will face, each one responsible for millions being put to death. I can't imagine. But the Bible doesn't say only the really, really, really bad, evil, wicked people get thrown in the lake of fire. It says everybody who has not received the righteousness of Christ ends up in the lake of fire. You will face your own judgment for your own sin. Now let's look at the judgment for believers. I said we'd go back to Romans, and we're going to be in chapter 14, Romans 14. And we'll be in Romans 14 a couple different times this morning, but... Romans 14, look at verse 10. Okay. It begins with this phrase, but why do you judge your brother? Who's this written to? Believers. When the Bible uses the word brothers, unless it's talking specifically about biological brothers like uh, Jacob and Esau, it's talking about brothers and believers, brethren, brothers. It doesn't exclude women. It just includes them in this brotherhood of the faith. We are common faith and common connection in Christ. So he's writing this to believers. So we could phrase this, why do you judge your fellow believers? Or why do you show contempt for your fellow believers? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as it is written... As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. So, we have three generations of Pedics and three generations of Martinuses here. So, do you think, well, I guess we, Rikosi's not Pedic, so... Sorry, I upgraded you there a bit, Jim. Oh. So, so we got Dawson 
He's not going to have to face judgment for his grandpa's sins. Tim is not going to have to face judgment for his in-law's sins. Clorinda's not going to get rewarded for the good deeds her husband does. Ella will receive no reward for the wonderful things her grandparents do. You give account of yourself to God. Now, I know that sounds scary, doesn't it? I mean, you and God? How many of you ever got sent to the principal's office? Hey, Kathy even got sent to the principal's office, but it wasn't for bad behavior. They called her in there to give her an award. Uh, I, I got sent to the principal's office for other things, you know, but, but you, when you stand before the principal and it's just you and the principal, that's a scary time. And sometimes people get this idea, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But that's not what it is. What he's doing is he's rewarding. And he wants to reward you. He says in Revelation, his reward is ready. He's got the rewards ready. He's ready. He's going to reward you when you get there. And so he's eager to give these rewards to you. And you're going to stand before Christ. And you're going to receive rewards. You won't get rewards from somebody else. You'll get what you have earned. Because you face your own judgment for your own sin. Back in Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The way you treat people is the way God's going to reward you. The way you interact with people, if you're condemning and judgmental, God's going to be less forgiving and gracious with you. You'll still be in heaven. You're just going to lose some rewards. Uh, In the the, uh, model prayer, uh, the Lord said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive those who trespass against us as we We forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But he also says, if you don't show mercy and grace to other people, you won't receive it. So when God rewards, you are not in Awana. You can get a citation award for memorizing lots of scripture, eight or 900 verses over the years, and you can get your Awana citation award. God's reward doesn't work like that. You don't get rewarded for memorizing scripture. You get rewarded for living it. The highest standard he has is not memorize the entire New Testament. It is show God's love to other people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Show his love to people. And and you're going to face your own judgment for your own sin, and you'll receive your own reward for your own good deeds. We can't piggyback. God does not have grandchildren. If you are a child of God, you are his child. And you are judged before God and rewarded before God on your 
own. All right, number three. You need to judge your heart first. Judge your own heart first. Now, don't turn there yet. Wait, stay in Matthew just for a moment. We're going to turn there in just a minute. Look at verse 3. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. You get this big plank sticking out of your eye, and you're trying to help somebody out with a little speck over here. It just doesn't work. The Lord said, judge yourself first. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Judge yourself first. Judge your own heart first. This, in 1 Corinthians 11, it's when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about the Lord's Supper. And in Corinth, they were doing some weird things with the Lord's Supper. They were getting together. Everybody was is like a party atmosphere. And they, people had brought food, and, and they partied, and so there were people over there, they were just eating, and, and, and there were people over here, they were poor, and they didn't have much, and those people didn't share with those people, and those people looked down on those people, and then those people were judgmental toward those people, and it was just this bitter spirit, and, and it was around the Lord's table, and, and Paul said, hey, sometimes because people have not looked at the Lord's table appropriately... Some of them have gotten sick, and some of them have died. And then it gives instruction for how to prepare to participate in the Lord's Supper. Look what he says in verse 28. Let a man examine himself, or a human being, a believer, examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. You examine yourself. See, when we observe the Lord's Supper... We don't, you don't come in and there's the chairman of the deacons, Mr. Pennant, and pastor, no, you cannot participate. You are not worthy. We, we don't do that. Why don't we do, you know, some churches actually do that. They have people who stand at the door and tell you, you can't come in. Maybe your tithe is not up to par. Maybe your attitude has been bad. But what's the Bible say? You examine yourself because you give an answer to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying blow off what your pastor and deacon say at all. But you have to answer directly to God. You can learn from other people, but you don't follow other people. You follow Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying here in verse 28 is if you don't, you need to examine yourself first and then participate. Now, the process of that examination is you confess your sins, you get your heart right with the Lord, and then you participate. God never assigned people in the church to tell you whether you can participate, but he did assign teachers and preachers to encourage you to follow God. And now jump down to verse number 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. All right, confession time for the kids that are in this room, okay? And kids, meaning anybody under 18. You don't get an out there, okay? So how many of you at any point at all this year 
have ever gotten in trouble with your parents? Raise your hand, kids. All right? Anytime this year, I saw one of them like, you know, it was like not as bad as that one. You know? <laughs> but listen, what if you disciplined yourself? What if you got up and did your chores yourself? If you did your chores yourself, would you ever hear your mom saying, you haven't done your chores, get in there and do your chores or you're going to be in trouble. You would not because you've done it on your own. That's what the Lord's saying. You need to grow up. You don't need somebody telling you, you need to do this and this and this and this. No, you need to grow up and you need to follow the Lord because you answer directly to the Lord. We believe that we are individual believer priests. That's a theological phrase. It describes that you answer directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, within the church, you have some accountability to the pastor, to the deacons. Within your home, you have some accountability to your parents. But you answer directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to discipline yourself and judge your own heart first and follow God on your own. So take that beam, that plank out of your own eye. Then you can minister to other people. Number four, do not have a condemning or critical spirit. See, we're going to be back in Romans. You can turn there. Do not have a condemning or critical spirit. What's this image for? What's, what's going on with the star there? Yeah, this is a review. If you're online, you give a review, a one-star review. It's interesting that it only goes down to one star. I really wish they had negative star reviews because there have been a few times I've wanted to give them a negative three, not a plus one. Uh, but some people, they, they, within the Internet culture, there are some people that are called trolls. What do trolls do on the Internet? Yeah, they trash other people. They go on and they, make, they give everybody a one star and complain all the time. Don't be a condemning person. Don't be an internet troll. Don't be going to people's websites and blasting them for stuff. Don't use Facebook as a way to attack other people. You need to not have a condemning spirit. You need to choose to have a supportive spirit. You need to follow the Lord with graciousness and kindness because that's what God wants us to do. In Romans 14, we read a couple of verses there. Look at verse 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Turn back to Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 34. Romans 8, verse 34. This is very interesting. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who is he that condemns? Who is he? Who is the one who judges all people? Now, don't get the idea that Christ condemns people, loves to go around and attack people. No, uh, but I, you, you've got to be ready for this one. 
Are you guys ready for this? It's going to be up here on the screen. Jesus Christ is making intercession for the sins of the believers who have behaved badly toward you. So, I always pick on the kids sitting on the front row, so I'm going to go all the way to the back row. Ha, ha, ha. Aren't you glad, Sydney? All right, so we got Ben over here and Sydney over here. They're teenagers here. Uh, they're tonight. Hopefully, they'll be in our journey club. They're, they're, they're involved in try, trying to follow the Lord in their own life. So let's just say that Ben gets really upset at Sydney. And let's even stretch it. Let's say Sydney does something bad that hurts Ben. And now Ben is really upset about Sydney because she did something bad that hurt him. And Ben feels frustrated towards Sydney. But let's move above Ben and Sydney and let's get up to Jesus Christ. What is Jesus doing with Sydney? He's interceding for her. Interceding. He is praying on her behalf. He is calling her to be right with God. And here's old Ben. He's just pouting. Far as I know, there aren't any issues between you guys. If there are, I'm sorry to embarrass you. Please get it right with God and let's move on. But as far as I know, there weren't issues. But listen, people get upset and Christians hold grudges. I love the phrase, the only thing that gets better, uh, everything can get better by nursing it except a grudge. It just gets worse. And so what Ben should be doing, if that were a real thing, Ben should be praying, God, please help Sydney to change her life because she's hurting people. God, please help me to forgive her and show your love to her. That's what we should be doing. But why is it that the world looks at Christians and says they're hate mongers. Sometimes that's because they don't like to hear, thus saith the Lord. But sometimes it's because Christians are mean, grumpy pants. And the world recognizes that. And nobody wants to be around that. So, the only one who could condemn is Jesus, but his response to the penitent sinner is to love and even forgive. All right, number five. Go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter uh, seven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 5. Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Use discernment. Think. Use your head. When I was a kid, my dad used to sometimes say, use your head for something besides an ear separator. You, you need to use your brain. And you need to think. So 
We have some verses here that I've asked several people to read for us. And if you got one of those, then please step up here and be ready to step up to the mic. Uh, The first one is, and I don't know who has which, Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. They're on the screen, but they also have them where they'll read them to you. So, okay. Hello, can you hear me? Okay. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by mouth by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. That is ironic that you got that verse. <laughs> Um, But listen, we are to have discernment. If your brother sins against you, what does that mean? Did your brother sin against you? You have to understand what is a sin and what is involved. God doesn't say, don't judge. Never look down on anyone. Don't think bad. You don't know what's going on in their heart. But he does say, You need to have discernment. You need to recognize when a sin has taken place, and then you need to try and reconcile. You can't just let it go. We have a responsibility. Uh, The second one is 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned, that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged, as though I were present, him who has done so this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul was an apostle. It is not my place as a pastor nor your place as a believer to deliver somebody to destruction for the destruction of the body. That's not our place. That was his place. But look at what's highlighted and bolded on here. Paul said, I have already judged. but we're not supposed to judge. We're not supposed to condemn. But Paul said, I have already had discernment, and if this person doesn't repent, the church needs to take action. See, churches have tolerated all kinds of unkindness and anger and belligerence and judgmental attitudes because we're not supposed to judge. Oh, yes, we are. We are supposed to show discernment, and we're supposed to strive to not allow that within the church, to call people to repentance. Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, 
as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't get deceived. Don't participate in that. I, I have seen within churches people joking about sin, laughing about it. I've been guilty of it in the past. We're not supposed to be that person. We're supposed to call people to God. We have to have discernment not to participate in what's going on there, but to separate. Um, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out from among them. Oh, wait, wait, no, no. The world says you're not supposed to look down on them. God says you're supposed to recognize what they're doing and step away from it when it's not righteous before God. Not in a condemning spirit, but in a zeal to obey God. Titus chapter 1, I think it is. Yeah, Titus 1, verses 10 through 13. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circum circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Paul said there's, there's people criticizing you there, and what they're saying is true. So what should he do? Rebuke those in Crete strongly, sharply. Oh, but that's... that's we're not supposed to disapprove of anyone. Okay, we are supposed to recognize the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness. And when we have an issue of authority, which Titus did, we are supposed to speak the word of God into their hearts and lives so they can repent. Thinking is allowed. You need discernment. Back in Matthew... Chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheaves clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. There are a bunch of big name Bible preachers in America today that are not teaching the word of God accurately. I'm not jealous because they have more people in their church. I fear for them because the judgment of God that will take place over the, the opportunity they had to influence the people with the truth of God's word, and they corrupt the truth of his word. Uh, Acts 5, Peter rebuked Ananias and Sapphira. 
We have to have the attitude that we are going to honor God. We don't want to be condemning. We want to be loving. But we don't want to participate in the sin. We want to come out from among them and be separate, dedicated to the Lord God. There is a big difference between discernment and condemnation. You don't condemn, but you also don't not share the word of God. You share the word of God, and if God condemns, just share the word of God, but you show love. You speak truth. You use discernment. You don't condemn. You need to be a critical thinker without becoming a critical person. Father, I pray that we could master that. It's something we all struggle with at different times and different ages and different circumstances we go through. It's so easy for us to see the sin in somebody else's heart and not in our own, to see the speck in their eye and not the beam in our own. So I pray that we would correct our heart, get right with you, show your love, share your truth, so that you could work to change hearts and lives. Ours first, and then through our faithfulness to you, may other people be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.